and welcome to Talking and Shoal, a roundtable podcast. I'm your host, Tamar Fox, and I've got Mimi Lewis in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Hey, Tamar. Hi, Mimi. And this month, we are without Zahava Stadler. We miss you, Zahava. In her stead, we are joined for our first, for both topics, by our friend Yael Kalman, who has been a previous guest on the show, to talk about Hanukkah books for kids. And for our second topic, we're going to talk about the forwards list of sexiest Jewish intellectuals alive and one dead. It's quite a ride that we're about to go on, guys. I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Al. Welcome. Hi, Tamara. Good to be here. We're so happy that you're here, even though we do really miss you, Sahaba. All right. So, Mimi, you want to talk to us about Hanukkah books? Are you ready? I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Um, but as we are recording this, we are just coming off of all of the pie-induced coma of Thanksgiving um, and gearing up for the craziness of Hanukkah. So when I think of Hanukkah, um, among the songs and the food and the candles and gifts, some of my favorite memories um, involve this giant bin of books reserved only for this season that I was allowed to read. Um, And I'm excited to talk with you guys about Hanukkah books, but of course I know from looking at my niece and nephew's um, bookshelves that since the early 90s, there are even more Hanukkah books to discuss. So I'm glad to be talking about this with two parents of young children who can talk about what's out there now. Um, But before we get to the 2000s, I'm curious if you guys have memories of Hanukkah books from your past. I mean, I think we can just open by probably all agreeing that Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins is the best Hanukkah book. Is that not correct? Yep. I did an informal poll on my Facebook page, which pretty much revealed that. Yeah. I mean, it's just a good story. It has beautiful illustrations. And, like, I don't totally understand what's Jewish about. I mean, like, it's about Hanukkah. But I'm not, like, totally clear what the lesson is or why there suddenly are goblins, which is not a thing that we hear about elsewhere in Judaism, really. But, like, whatever. Who cares? It's an awesome um, it's an awesome story. And if we could only have one Hanukkah book, I would be fine with that one because it's delightful. Agreed. My, um, my son really likes it. And yeah, I agree. The illustrations. I, I, I also don't know quite what it is that makes it so appealing, but it's it's really enjoyable. I think I think something that kids enjoy is the is the cleverness of it, and somehow the book is able to get away with having goblins in it without being particularly scary. Yeah, I think because they're so outlandish um, and a little bit overdrawn to some extent. I think that uh, kids are able to, um, yeah, are able to enjoy it despite the potential scariness of the goblin. I have a theory about the Hanukkah themes of Herschel and the Hanukkah goblins, aside from it takes place during Hanukkah. I think that, in fact, Herschel is um, performing, he's telling us that miracles aren't actually about, like, some miraculous thing happening on high, but about the individual's cleverness and wit in outsmarting the circumstances, right? So he Mm. comes up with all of these different ways of outsmarting the goblins, tricking them, um, and 
yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a Hanukkah message in that. Something about not by might, not by power, but by cleverness Whimsy. <laughs> Whimsy, that's it. <laughs> that's perfectly plausible. <laughs> I'm not sure if I think that Whimsy is, like, exactly the message of Hanukkah, but, like, I'm... I'm pro whimsy and I love the book and whatever the message of it is, I'm good with it. I, I like it. And I will say the thing, a thing that I really appreciate about it is I think there may be latkes in the book, but it's not a book about latkes. And most Hanukkah books are books about latkes ultimately. Yeah. So I appreciate that it's a book about Hanukkah that doesn't revolve so, like, that isn't so tightly bound up in latkes, because it's like, I mean, latkes are good, don't get me wrong, but, like, that's not what Hanukkah is. And it's, I think it speaks to the fact that, like, people don't have a lot to say about Hanukkah, that, like, so much of children's literature is, like, it's Hanukkah. Potatoes! <laughs> and, like, potatoes is somehow the theme of so many Hanukkah books, which is, like, the laziest thing ever. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I mean, the, the food that is featured in the book is hard-boiled eggs and pickles. Yes. Right? Yes. So it's a Hanukkah story with old-world sensibilities. <laughs> yes. Right? And I think also something that... Um, really stands out about the book and kids really enjoy is the the image of the goblin's hand getting stuck in the pickle jar i think that's something that's that's really delightful but yeah that's definitely a good call about the the kinds of food that that are in the book that it's not it's not the commercialized version of hanukkah that we see that we see in other books yeah what are other ones from your childhood any other good ones so i I really couldn't recall very many. I only got to know Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins as a parent. It's not something that I grew up with. Um, and Hanukkah also just wasn't that big of a deal in my family growing up. It was, I think, what was the most notable about Hanukkah in my house growing up was just the, the music is just so much better on Hanukkah than for other holidays and um, that was something that that we experienced together as a family but you're talking but, about the music was better before the Maccabees and after <laughs> <laughs> not including the Maccabees but you could include the Maccabees in that calculation as well I mean I, I I'm not a huge Maccabees fan I'm just <laughs> I'm just amazed because I feel like many people feel like Hanukkah music is like 80% Maccabees, so glad to hear that you have, you have fond memories of Jewish Hanukkah music pre-Maccabees. Um, yeah, so the only one that does come to mind is wh when Tamara started talking about potatoes, I remembered there was this book that we had growing up called The Odd Potato, and it ended up serving as some type of Hanukkah. Like it didn't, it wasn't able to serve any other purpose, but um, it was able to serve as a Hanukkah and that being something that brought the family together. I'm so glad you said that because I remember a whole genre of books and at least one made for TV movie about 
Hanukiot made out of potatoes. <laughs> and um, and I asked about it on Facebook because I was like, I can't find this on the internet. But the problem is, it's because I'm Googling, like, Hanukiah made out of potato. And that's, like, 7 billion results because, like, every page that has the word Hanukiah on it also has the word potato. Uh, um, did you find any on Pinterest? <laughs> I didn't look, but that's a great idea. Um, but I discovered that there are, other than, what it, what was that one called? The Odd, the potato? Odd potato. I think that's what it's called. There is There are two books um, about about this. Oh, your sister just shared the Odd Potato on my Facebook wall. Um, uh, is, there are two books. One is called Hanukkah for Dina by Floriva Cohen, which sounds familiar to me, but I don't know. I couldn't tell you the plot of it. And the other one called One Candle by Eve Bunting, which is a, Hanukkah, a Holocaust story. Oh. So I'm sure that's not the one that I heard as a small child. But, like, for some reason, I heard multiple stories in which people, it was Hanukkah, and people didn't have a Hanukkah, and they had to use a potato. Which is like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that is a common problem. <laughs> but I just remember as a child being like, what is with these people that they don't have anything else that they could make a Hanukkah out of? And why does everybody always have a potato? And I guess the answer is Eastern Europe. But, yeah. <laughs> but like as a seven-year-old, it really did not make any sense to me. I think it's part of a larger theme in Jewish children's literature of um... – it's sort of the something from nothing or the um, I was reading some book about borscht made out of buttons, a kid's yes, book about that button borscht, which is actually Bo great. Right. So I think that there's a whole theme in Jewish literature of like, oh, you don't have the thing that your community needs. Let's write a story about how you can, um, you know, never throw away clothes or like make something <laughs> out of potatoes. <laughs> you know, there's like this like poverty theme in our children's literature which is fascinating and also problem solving i yeah. am supportive of that too yeah 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 and being um, happy with what you have yep yeah it's also good also a good theme for hanukkah in particular yes yeah. i have a couple of newer not since i like since in the last five or ten years um hanukkah books that i don't hate so i I want to call out one that I really did hate, which was called A Happy Hanukkah, and we got it from PJ Library in, like, I want to say 2012 or 13, and it was just, like, a bunch of rabbits tell the story of Hanukkah, which was disappointing on a number of levels, not least because, like, for some reason, rabbits have the same gender norms as lots of humans, and so it was, like... <laughs> Mama Rabbit, like, makes the latkes, and Papa Rabbit, like, sits on the couch and tells the story of Hanukkah, which really irritated me, because, like, why do rabbits have to be that way? Um, um, but we have also received some um, excellent Hanukkah books. I would like to call out Hanukkah in Alaska, which is, I believe, by Barbara Brown, hmm. um, which is a pretty good story. It does have a pivotal moment involving latkes, which is kind of my bugaboo, but 
It also um, features the Aurora Borealis, which you don't see in a lot of children's cool. books. Um, and uh, as I've mentioned in the past, my partner is from Alaska, so I'm kind of a sucker for like Jewish Alaska things. Um, and yeah, it's pretty good. It's like, I don't know that it really draws on themes, on the themes of the Hanukkah story, but it does talk about like miraculous light. Which I which I like, so I would recommend that one if you're looking for another good Hanukkah book. And the other one that I really like, which I just read for the first time today, and I was ready to hate it, but it's actually quite good, is called Dear Santa, Love Rachel Rosenstein. And hmm. even weirder than that, it's by Amanda Peet, who's a movie star. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know why this book exists, um, but the the story is about a girl who is Jewish and her family doesn't celebrate Christmas, and it makes her really sad. And she really wants Santa to come to her house, and she like feels things that I think a lot of Jewish kids feel of like disappointment around this time of year because so much is focused on Christmas, um, but then the at the end of the book it's not like santa comes it's that like she is disappointed because santa doesn't come and her mom is basically like we don't do santa because we're jewish um and her mom also is a nurse and is like has to work on christmas and the kid is like nobody has to work on christmas and her mom is like people still get sick on christmas and it's my job to take care of them which i actually really like that that was kind of what's happening in her family and then she goes out for Chinese food with her family and they see other kids that she knows from school who also are not Christian like I believe it's an Indian child and um, a Chinese child and they are Indian American and Chinese American and they like talk about what it's like to be other together and they like bond about like not doing Christmas and having their own kind of like Christmas tradition together, which I really liked. <laughs> um, I'm not, again, I'm like, this might be the opposite message of Han of the Hanukkah story. <laughs> Maybe it's the right message of the Hanukkah story. I, I feel like I need to spend some more time thinking about it, but I really liked it. I like that it isn't a story about latkes and I really like that it like, does focus on a feeling that I think so many Jewish kids have, which is like, oh, it seems like such a bummer to not get the cool, like, accoutrement of Christmas, including, like, Santa and Christmas trees and presents and whatever. Not that this book does imply that you get eight presents, which is irritating to me, but not the biggest deal in the scheme of the book. Anyways... Wow. Weird, weird recommendation, but uh, Amanda Peet. Dear Santa, wow. I love Rachel Rosenstein. That's also, a great title for a book. Yeah, I kind of wish the girl's name had been a little less on the nose, Jewy. <laughs> right, it's just a little bit, a little bit too much. But yeah, no, but it sounds really interesting, and um, and I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah, Mimi, what else did you did you have? Well, um, let's see. One book that I want to suggest if you want to go like way back um, is called The Power of Light. It's eight stories for Hanukkah, so you can read one each night. And it's by Isaac Bashevis Singer. 
um, or Beshevis. I don't actually know. I guess it's Beshevis. Um, and I, I really like this story, the, all, each of these stories. Um, and I like that, you know, I think in my like search for authenticity of like a Hanukkah story, that's not the Hanukkah story. Um, this one just the all of these stories feel really heartwarming, um, but not too shtetl life. Um, so I, I enjoy that. Yeah, Ella, I have to ask you about one that was listed. Your husband mentioned Hanukkah Money by Shalom Alechem. And the summary of it on the Amazon page is two young brothers wonder how much money they will receive from their relatives for Hanukkah. <laughs> I'm curious what is that that's good? It's a good one. <laughs> I actually can't remember the plot of it. I can picture it in my mind, but okay. there is a lot of discussion about money and really cute illustrations. All right. <laughs> I just thought like wow, great summary. How much money will we get from our relatives <laughs> for Hanukkah? <laughs> I'd rather it's read so about honest. Like I feel like that is how so many kids feel about Hanukkah. Is like, yeah. how many presents will I get? What how much get? money will I get? Like yeah. that's the focus. Might as well write a book about it. Yep. Um, and then there's another one that I really liked as a kid um, called Judah, who always said no about Judah Maccabee. Sort of imagining him in kindergarten imagining him with his parents and then when he grows up to be judah the maccabee um how that sort of stubbornness uh stood him well so i i liked that book growing up those are my recs i think it's interesting for a holiday that has its own story that there are also all of these books written for Hanukkah time. I mean, I guess with the um, creation of PJ Library, we just have like tons of kids books about every Jewish holiday and non-Jewish and and non-holiday. But I, I really felt like opening this up on Facebook, like everybody had some kids book for Hanukkah that they were really attached to or some that they really didn't like. Does that seem unique or am I just out of touch with kids' books? I think that sounds right. And I think especially because um, kids, there are books that kids might read year-round and then there are the Hanukkah books that are special for that time of year. Uh, So maybe that's why there's more attachment because of the positive associations with it and because it was something special that just came out that uh, that time of year, but, um, yeah, we're not so, we're not so strict or organized about our book placement that we, that we only have the Hanukkah books out during, during Hanukkah. So I don't know if my kids will have that. Hmm. I feel like it's just because of Christmas. Like it's like there's Christmas books. And so there's like Hanukkah and Pesach are the two like most observed Jewish holidays, and they're also probably the two holidays that feature in most Jewish children's literature because, like, they're the ones that people know about and engage with a little bit. And also, like, 
there's a market for them because people want to give gifts at Hanukkah and therefore like having a ton of Hanukkah books to choose from is a good move. Right. It's good marketing. Right. And yeah. every every good public school needs like to read one Hanukkah book or two during the season. Yes. Yeah. Good point. All right. Um, well, I also just want to mention that there is a book called Judah Maccabee Goes to the Doctor, which is a vaccine, a pro-vaccine Hanukkah book, which I like love. <laughs> I'm just so happy that that exists in the world. Um, and to contrast, Judah Maccabee says no. Right. <laughs> no, says no to the flu shot. <laughs> Exactly. Judah says yes to the flu shot. Right. <laughs> Judah goes to the doctor. Antiochus gets chicken pox. <laughs> awesome. Um, That's great. Yeah. I have a couple of, um, yeah, I have a couple of items that are not books. How do we feel about venturing yeah, into yeah, that? Yeah, please. There was yeah. a video that I remember seeing when I was a kid called Lights. And I went back and watched it, and it's it's totally delightful, and I think that it holds up really well. It's at first I thought that it was I had a memory of it being claymation. It is not. It's, no, it's but it, it was very popular at the same time as the animated Hagata, mm-hmm. which is claymation. So I had the mm-hmm. same thing of like, is it claymation? But it's not. It is not. It's animated. It's very sweet animation. Uh, the music is really is really delightful. Also, a lot of flute playing, and the um, it's narrated by Judd Hirsch of Taxi fame, <laughs> and Leonard Nimoy also. Yes, I was like, a- I thought Leonard Nimoy was in it, <laughs> so he's in it. I think he's not the narrator, but Judd Hirsch like has this thick Brooklyn accent. <laughs> it's very it's very cute, and um, yeah, I just thought that it was rewatching it. In preparation for this segment, I just I just thought that it held up really well. And um, if if you recall, the the light is um, is images of letters, and um, when the lights are stamped out, the Hebrew letters are stamped out, and instead they're provided with Greek letters. Um, and um, and I just I like the idea of. Um, literacy being the embodiment of Judaism or like the heart of Judaism and also the way that it was presented in the film was that um, the there was also culture that um, there was beautiful culture that uh, the Jews enjoyed and didn't necessarily have to um, it was something that Jews also benefited from but when it led to assimilation or led to um, intolerance of Jews, then that was that was the problematic feature of it. Mm-hmm. And so, not you know, Greek culture was um, completely, um, yeah, it was just intolerable in and of itself. But just the circumstances were, um, yeah. I it actually reminded me a lot of Miyazaki films, mm-hmm. uh, in the, the just the sweetness of it, uh, like My Neighbor Totoro. Uh, just the like the kind of the innocence of the children in it, despite it featuring some battles. But like up until that point, and uh, other than that, it was it was really sweet. And like I said, I think it held up really well, and especially in this um, 
in this climate of an uptick in anti-Semitism, I think also um, there's there's a lot to be gained from it. Um, so that was something that I was thinking of. And there, if we're thinking about videos for people to think about the story of Hanukkah or learn about Hanukkah as a holiday or learn about the rituals, I actually found the Bim Bam video of what is Hanukkah hmm. to be... Um, to just be very informative and well done also. So those were the two films that I was thinking of. Good recommendation. Yep. I think there is actually also a book of lights. Um, so I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Did you find the video on YouTube? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we could put it in the show notes. Yeah, totally. It's, it is really good. I remember loving that as a kid. I personally do not enjoy this, but I will say that um, last year I was in a tiny town in west central Wisconsin for Christmas, and uh, I was in a, like, little boutique store, and when the woman who ran the store heard that we don't celebrate Christmas, that we celebrate Hanukkah, she was like, oh, I just learned all about Hanukkah from a Mayim Bialik video. She is so funny. And she was like, really? She had really like studied the video. She like really understood what Hanukkah was about. It was very bizarre, but I, and I do not typically feel this way about Mayim Bialik, um, who once wrote a piece attacking me, <laughs> but I really appreciated that she had done the work for me and that I was not responsible for educating this woman about Hanukkah um, at this moment. So um, I will link to that one as well because apparently this woman found it to be very educational and also hilarious. So in case that's something that you need. Good. Good to have. Yeah. Awesome. This has been, a, I have to say, a very helpful prep for Hanukkah for me outside of thinking about what foods we're going to make. It's just nice to, I don't know, but nostalgia is a big part of this holiday for me. And so it's nice to sort of be bathed in like all of these stories and images and the sweetness of the holiday. Yeah. All right. So moving from the sweetness of Hanukkah to, I mean, honestly, I don't even know how to characterize this article in the foreword. Bow, chicka, um, bow, wow. <laughs> Audrey. Uh, yeah, I think Audrey's right. The article in the foreword is called The Forward's 2018 Sexiest Jewish Intellectual Alive and One Dead Awards, which has some grammatical issues, but we'll not, not pick on that. It's by Jenny Singer. And I, I guess this was a thing that they did last year, but I did not see it last year. Um, and so this year, the forward, which is like, I feel like a relatively straight ahead Jewish news publication. Although I will say the forward, the forward leans way into the secret Jewish history of X. Like every third article on the forward is that. Um, um, did you know there is a secret Jewish history of literally everything? Um, so. And full disclosure, my husband has written several of those, <laughs> including one about the history of Hanukkah light, which I was going to log roll. Yes. Not, not need to. That was such a great article. <laughs> I was going to lean in. To your... it, 
I mean, some of them are good. Some of them are definitely like a little bit like contortionist in order to find the sacred Jewish history. Although I do love that article by David C. Um, but this this piece is just like a completely different tone from anything I've ever read. <laughs> anything else I've ever read on the board. I'm just gonna. Um, I'm just going to read the list of the people. I'm not going to read any of the descriptions, but they are Michael Shaban, Rachel Aviv, um, Ruth Behar, Ronan Bergman, Anthony Mordechai Tzvi Russell, Edgar Carrot, Rabbi Ethan Tucker, Dan Bricklin, Tishia Vervier, Rabbi Bene Laffey, Lila Nugebauer, Sasha Rotman-Dratwa, Rebecca Walker, Ronan Farrow, Rachel Kushner, and Hedy Lamar. Um, so, it's... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm struggling here, guys. Like, what is this? <laughs> what, what are we looking at here? It's I, so... I think I'm, it's I'm important to the entry for Ronan Farrow because I actually think it's the one where I was most like, I don't even understand what's happening anymore while reading this. A port in the storm, the new James Bond, and a little something to tide us over until the Moshiach. These are all things journalist Ronan Farrow has been called by this publication just now. Let us speak not of his heroic investigative journalism, particularly surrounding the Me Too movement, which won him a Pulitzer Prize. Let us not speak of his status as a child prodigy and the many and the many youthful achievements. Let us not speak even of the grace and compassion which he seems to never be without even in the darkest moments of his work. Let's speak of the fact that he is hot. Ronan Farrow, you flaxen-haired milkmaid of a man, we are lucky to have you. We know your relationship to Judaism is ambiguous. Let us end that now. You are ours now, you beautiful, brilliant boy. Zahava's not even here, and I can feel her blushing. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I am, too. Like, something about this just, like, is so embarrassing to read. Yeah. No, Why does this exist? Right. There's something about it that feels really icky, right? Like, I feel gross after after reading this. And I think... So... To give just a little bit of context from what I've been able to glean from the article and its predecessor, the one from last year, I think the first one came out, and I didn't notice it coming out last year either. I think this one, for some reason, has gotten more attention than the one last year. When the, Do you guys remember the Sexiest Man Alive contest where Blake Shelton was named the sexiest man alive and it was this huge joke because he was not that good looking <laughs> and apparently like it turned out he had some homophobic tweets and was just like not that impressive of a human being mm -hmm. and in fact a pretty um turned out ignorant and offensive human being but i think what people picked up on more is that he was just not sexy right so i think that the forward probably or the author of this piece and the one from last year seized on that and spoofed the Sexiest Man Alive contest. And so that made a lot more sense 
at the time because it was just much more of the moment and everyone was making fun of that contest. And here it doesn't, in 2018, it doesn't really seem to be a spoof of anything except itself. (laughs) And it's just kind of derivative of itself. And so I think people are reading it without any context. It doesn't really make any sense that would be appearing now. Um, So I think that that's, uh, that's maybe something to have in mind to get a sense of what is this? Oh, it's a derivative um, um, yeah, it's just a derivative piece of something that came out last year that maybe made a lot more sense <laughs> at the time. Mm-hmm. Though, though they did a very strange job trying to frame this year's. So last year's they framed around like Blake Shelton. That was weird. Like, let's try our own weird list of sex, like definition of sexiness. This year they write, we believe that what we're doing is transgressive. It's an expression of Jewish pride in a time when loud and proud Jewish pride is desperately needed. We intend this list to be a force against the Nazi-esque idea that to be Jewish is to be ugly. A force in inter- I'm just going to stop there. Uh, to The idea of this list as like a response to Nazism on the rise is just so weird and so sort of like... Uh, confounding I, I i would prefer it to be like we did this last year and it was funny let's do it again this year but the idea of making it something more than than that i think is ill-advised yeah it's so <laughs> it's just really the framing of it is weird and then the execution the thing is I am someone who is very attracted to very smart people. Like, they don't need to be conventionally attractive if they are very smart. I do find that to be kind of a turn-on. But, like, the writing about the smartness in an objectifying way is so cringy. (laughs) Like, it just, like, makes me want to, like peel off my face like it's just like why is this happening to me <laughs> um it's so i don't like i don't understand why it makes me feel embarrassed to read this but i am like so it's like watching a movie with a sex scene and then your parents walk in like it that's how it feels to read this to read this list and it's so like I I just don't understand how no one said to them, like, oh, my God, don't do this. (laughs) On the other hand, to the author's credit, just to play devil's advocate here, there are a lot of really cleverly executed lines in there, right? (laughs) So, for instance, I'm just going to read some quotes. Men, women, and queer people, Jews of color and Ashkakutis, Old and young, right-wing and left, MacArthur geniuses and rabbis, get ready. We are going to objectify you all. Yeah. Right? Like, there's just something... It's cute. It's it's a little... Like, it's too clever by half. Right. To some extent. Right? And another line that stuck out was... I forget which, uh, which entry this was, but she just happens to have a jawline that could slice pastrami. Yeah. Right. Right? That Didn't that stand out? Right? Yes. Like, it's, like, sharp... My- pun intended writing right my favorite from last year this is about rabbi sharon bruce 
She's Barack Obama's rabbi of choice with the hair of a brand new American girl doll. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. I think that is brilliant. She has really good hair. <laughs> it's not bad writing. It's just like, I, I do think it's laid on a little too thick. And it's also just like too. It's inappropriate. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying that because I love inappropriate things. But this just feels like kind of gross. And, um, and like, yeah, I mean, I think the turns of phrase, I think the like Ronan, Ronan Farrow as, has, as milkmaid esque is like spot on. Like, he does look weirdly like a milkmaid and also is very hot. But, uh, it's just, like, not an appropriate thing to say. I don't know. I was just like, this is... And also, I do think I'm affected by the fact that it's in the forward, which, like, at the same time as this article is there, like, also today was sending out a thing about how they're doing, like, deep investigation into Jewish charities, which is great. I'm so glad they're doing that. But, like, I just still don't understand why why this exists. Um, and I I, like, feel weird saying that because... Part of me is like, I should love this. Like, I I like how diverse of a list of it is in all kinds of ways. There's a lot of people on here that I had never heard of before, and I'm glad to have learned about. Same. But it's still something about the tone, like, made me want to take a shower. Yeah, I agree with you that it's about it being the forward to some extent, right? This is not BuzzFeed. This is not Jewish BuzzFeed. Right. Um, and I think maybe we would have felt better learning about these people if it weren't by objectifying them, right? Like, they, yeah. they do a lot of really important and fascinating work, and there could be some other article, but we probably wouldn't have clicked on it. <laughs> right. Wouldn't have been <laughs> shared true. as much, right? It's true. I just want to echo Tamar something that you said, which is that there are some really fascinating people on here um, and people who I would not have known anything about. Um, and I appreciate that about any sort of listicle that it can bring. It, it can get my click because of the high profile folks. And then also, like, you know, hopefully um, fold in some other new people but here just another point to yeah just to my point about it being derivative in last year's list the equivalent was shalom oslander where the the author said something like the the uh, this is not printable like something about the foreskin's lament not being printable in this publication or something. Mm -hmm. and so right yeah, i also don't good. think shalom oslander is hot um i mean what's his intent Right. Tomorrow, it's his right. His, his intellect is not a turn Yeah, with the on. program. So <laughs> no, weird. it also. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel weirdly grateful for this list because I think it educated me, and also, um, I'm upset that it exists, <laughs> and I wish I had learned about these things some other way. <laughs> And I'm never going to be able to picture Ronan Farrow not as a milkmaid. <laughs> also, I don't know what his connection to Judaism is. And the fact that they're like, it's nebulous. I'm like, right. Does that mean he's not Jewish? <laughs> I don't get that one. 
One thing I learned, Hedy Lamar was gorgeous. Oh my gosh. That is an attractive yeah. woman. And intellectual. There's a whole movie about her that I really want to see a documentary. Let's do it. Let's podcast it. Okay, so it is time for endorsements. Yeah, Elle, do you have an endorsement? I do. So I have two endorsements. The first one will be quick. Um, it's also a much more commercialized endorsement than the second one. So my first endorsement is the Instant Pot. I don't know if you guys have talked about this yet. No. Um, but I've had one now for about two years. I think it really took off in popularity after around Black Friday last year in 2017. That's when more people started talking about it. I've had one since around 2016, so I was ahead of the curve. But, um, yeah, it's just super, super helpful for making weekday dinners quickly, for making Shabbat dinners. There's also a slow cooker function that you could use for Shabbat. I find it most useful for soups and stews and uh, because... When I make things on the stove, then I tend to burn them. But in the Instant Pot, I just can just forget about it, and it will be fine. So I highly recommend the Instant Pot. And is there somebody who makes latkes in the Instant Pot? Is that possible? So there is. If listeners out there have an Instant Pot and need some support, there (laughs) is a Facebook group called Kosher Instant Pot where people bring up these questions multiple times a day so i'm sure leading up to hanukkah there will be some discussion of making latkes in the instant pot that's Um, yeah sounds very important research that we need to do yes (laughs) it is very very important um so that's one and the second recommendation we're recording this right after thanksgiving and um, a tradition that I have that I highly recommend is watching home videos of your family when you're gathered together with family on Thanksgiving or any other holiday where you're gathered together with family. We in my family, unfortunately, have very few home videos. We also have a very small family. I only have two first cousins. And um, as older members of my family started passing away. My grandparents, my mom's parents used to come join us every year for Thanksgiving. But when they passed away, we decided to start watching the one home video we had, which was of my cousin's bris. (laughs) So we have been watching this now for probably about 15 years every Thanksgiving. And what's also great about it. So my grandparents are in there and my sister and I feature prominently in it as well, and we do like a silly dancing show. I'm four in the in the video, and my sister is six, and so we're really goofy. And um, my parents are are also in it. My aunt and uncle are also in it, and um, and my father passed away a few years ago, and it's uh, he he's in the video as well and he's the one who actually names my cousin in the video and it's really really touching to see and also just something that every year I'm not ready for um but it's also just a really great way of having family with us and also is just 
really funny that we're watching a birth video every year. So um, that's something that not you don't have to watch a birth video. It's not something that you have to do. You don't have to any track random since birth video. You don't have to. Sure, there's a bunch on YouTube. You don't have to track down some random guy's birth video or a family member's, but just watch a video that has that has your loved ones in it and can um can help bring you bring your family together that is beautiful yeah Mimi what is your endorsement so I want to endorse two um pieces of what I think are examples of really good funny Jewish journalism um both are also connected to Hanukkah so um, both are on a website called heyalma.com, which I think we've mentioned in the past on this um, podcast. But the first one is called, Can We Talk About This Betsy Johnson Dreidel Purse? It's just a hilarious essay about this hideous purse that, that the designer Betsy Johnson released this year. It's a dreidel. It's both small and large um, and very <laughs> impractical um, uh, it, <laughs> there just are, are many funny things um, one thing that's funny about it is that it's so it's $88 and the writer says because there are eight nights of Hanukkah right <laughs> um, <laughs> and she says I'm actually having a really hard time deciding whether it's good kitschy or bad kitschy just like I can't decide whether eating latkes for dinner gives me a good tummy ache or a bad one. I guess what I'm saying is that I would just like to take a moment and process this bag with all of you, which she does so well and with like such great humor. Um, the, the second, writer? yeah, the, oh, the writer is Molly Tolsky, who I think is the editor. Yeah, she's the editor of Hail. Um, the second is called Why is Most Hanukkah Shit? so ugly a round table um i read this they go through some hideous target overalls with menorahs on it um all of the oy vey or just like um oy to the world like silly puns around hanukkah um and it, it's just it's so clever um and really 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 fun to read so i'll definitely link to that Side note, two of, no, all three of the women who wrote it um, went to the same summer camp as me in, in Utica, Mississippi. So there you go. Jacob's camp <laughs> getting famous. Um, so really good Jewish journalism out there that I'm very happy about. And the third thing that I want to endorse, which is my real endorsement. Did you know that there is an Alexa plugin called Ask the Rabbi? What? Have you oh. heard of this? Okay. So apparently you can enable, I didn't know this. I don't actually have an Alexa, but friends do, my brother in particular. You can enable various plugins and one is the rabbi um, or ask the rabbi. I learned this because my nephew needed to find out a lot of family members, um, Jewish Hebrew birthdays, like birthdays in the Jewish calendar. And he just asked Alexa and Alexa has this plugin, ask the rabbi who can tell you that can also tell you, um, can sell your chametz for you. I'm not entirely sure how that works <laughs> in preparation for Passover. Um, and let's see. 
trying to think. What oh, right. denomination Ken, is count the old I feel like this is a Chabad rabbi. <laughs> you got it right. It's powered by Chabad.org. Um, it can count the Omer for you. I don't know. It's just like a hilarious thing that you can get your Alexa to do, which is pretty exciting. And I would like to ask the rabbi many things that I'm sure Alexa can't answer. Um, but pretty cool that you can do that if you want. If you are so inspired, maybe with your Black Friday Alexa purchase. That is fascinating. Yeah. And I'm like both shocked and not at all surprised that that exists. Yep. Um, I um, have a serious endorsement, which is an article in the New York Times called On Bereka Tuesdays, They Make Pastries the Way Their Grandmothers Did. Members of a synagogue in Atlanta come together to make the savory pocket pastries to sell at Hanukkah as they have for decades by Joan Nathan. Um, and it is about a community in Atlanta at Congregation Orva Shalom. And they, it sounds like they might do this all year long. Um, every Tuesday, a lot of people, I think in almost entirely women, get together and make barakas for a few hours, which they then freeze most of. Um, they Everybody gets to ha- eat one that day, and they, like, auction off some, like, not attractive ones that they don't think that they can sell. Um, but and the barakas are all um, for this Hanukkah fair that they have, which uh, Hanukkah Bazaar, which they use as a fundraiser for the shul and it raises like $30,000. Um, and it just sounds amazing. The pictures, um, of the women making these barakas are like totally adorable. It's like, well, there's one man in the picture. Um, it is a lot of like very cute old ladies, um, making barakas together and they are making like thousands of barakas it's really cool um and what i like about it is it's a hanukkah food tradition that has nothing to do with latkes um or jelly donuts i mean it's really like a whole new world out there um also barakas are so delicious and um it's so exciting that there is like a recipe here that now i can try and a whole community of people that, like, focus their year on making barekas. I mean, it really makes me want to go move to Atlanta and take up bareka baking. Um, it also bring down the average age significantly. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Although there's this one attractive man in this picture. Um, <laughs> but is he an intellectual? <laughs> <laughs> How did you know from the picture? That's <laughs> true. I have no idea if his mind is sexy, but his arms look quite nice. Um, so... Um, yeah, so that's, that's one, um, one endorsement. And then I also want to endorse, um, my dad was in Israel recently and he came home with a children's book for my daughter, which, um, I have been reading to her recently. It's called Vanil Al-Hametzach Betut Al-Ha'af by Meir Shalev. Um, and it's the story of a girl named Hadas and her grandfather, who is, the grandfather is kind of always getting into scrapes. And uh, Hadass has to kind of chastise him for his bad behavior. Um, And also her mom keeps like showing up and um, kind of 
derailing whatever's going on with her and the grandfather. It's just a great children's book, and um, I've been really enjoying reading it with my daughter. And, uh, I mean, I feel like if you like Hebrew children's books, you probably are already a fan of Tiras Kham, so I don't need to tell you about how great it is. But this book is, like, on par with Tiras Kham. I mean, it's much longer, but it's, like, similarly an excellent book that um, I'm in enjoying reading and anticipate enjoying reading for many years to come. Yeah, I agree. We have that as well, and it's super fun. And uh, just an interesting tidbit is that Meir Shalev is also a, a, an adult author, like an author for adult novels. Wow. And it seems like there are a lot more Israeli novelists who cross over into children's books than there seems to be in in English publishing. Well, in English publishing, it's just movie stars who write children's books. <laughs> Amanda Peet. Yeah. <laughs> but there's like a whole trend of movie right. stars writing children's books, and most right. of them are terrible, but the the Amanda Peet one is not that, weirdly. Um, but yeah, that that's interesting. Um, I, I, I guess I did know that he was an author for adults, but I totally forgotten. Um, it's, it's definitely worth picking up if you're, if you are in Israel or if you know somebody who likes, um, who likes Israeli books. Um, I, Tamara, I forgot a podcast uh, or a, an endorsement that I wanted to give. <laughs> Amazing. Can Go I, for it. can I sneak another one I like that we're all just in? like piling it on. It's like eight yeah. nights of endorsements here. <laughs> well, She's not here to do it for herself. So if you really missed hearing yes, Zahava Stadler's yes. voice, yes. Um, <laughs> you must go listen to, I'm just trying to see what date it was, November 23rd on the Weeds podcast. There's a sort of side podcast called The Impact. Um, and this episode is a fascinating story about education funding in Vermont. And you'll get to hear... Um, our amazing co-star Zahava Stadler talk about just some of the really cool things that Vermont has done in the past and the challenges they're up against now for funding public schools. So definitely endorse. It was awesome. And she rocked it. Yeah. She was totally in her element and yeah. it was amazing to hear. Yeah, yeah. It was so exciting. It's funny because I'm on a podcast with Zahava, but when I heard her on another podcast, I was so excited. <laughs> um, also, a second, another, not even a second, because we've already done several <laughs> little ode to Zahava, is um, on last month's episode, Zahava recommended Hanan Ben-Ari, um, a, like, pop music, he, she calls him the Israeli Jason Mraz, um, and I discovered him from her recommendation and have been on a, like, very steady diet of Hanan Ben-Ari for the last month. Um, and I want to endorse his song, Two Team, which I'll um, play a little bit of at the end of the episode. It is a an excellent, um, really fun jam that I have been waking up with in my head for the last few days. So um, it's really, really a good, a great song. And I'm really excited to have been introduced because weirdly, even though Sahaba and I both <laughs> found discovered that we have spotify playlist of israeli music they like mine did not have hanan benari on it and so and now it does so so i'm really grateful that um zahava helped me with that problem 
כשבעל הבית נושה, וגם הבוס נוקשה, אז הפכתי למורשה, לא הכל פרר ומשה. אבל אין לנו זכות בכלל להתלונן, הכל תפוח עמסה וברוך השם, כי החיים שלנו תותים, החיים שלנו תותים. I have another one as long as we're piling on. <laughs> so um, there's the regular Maus Tzur tune, Maus Tzur, the song that is traditionally sung on Hanukkah um, after lighting Hanukkah candles. Um, and then there's a choral arrangement by Louis Lewandowski, uh, which my family used to sing together um, because my sister and I were in choirs and my mom and dad were in a choir and like we would do all the parts. And um, it's just, it's... really refreshing if you're looking for a different tune and it's really beautiful and I'll find a recording of it and put it in show notes as well awesome that sounds so good if you're if you're singing it you can sing all of the verses like Zahava told us that she likes to do exactly <laughs> <laughs> and that was my connection to Zahava <laughs> yes Um, all right. Well, this was wonderful. Thank you so much, Yael, for joining us this, this month. Absolutely. It's a treat. Thanks for listening. If you have a minute, please leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you'd like to discuss on a future episode. We're always looking for things to discuss. You can also leave a comment um, or post on our Facebook page. You should search for Jewish Public Media. Or you can leave a comment on our website, which is jpmedia.co. Choose Talking in Shoal from the list of podcasts. You can also donate to Jewish Public Media at jpmedia.co, and that's a really great way of making sure that we can bring you a new episode of Talking in Shoal again next month. See you next month, ladies. Thank you, Mimi. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you, Yael. Thanks, Tamar. See you next month. Thank you.